When you know that you are queer, but your favorite drink is beer, that's gayish. You can bottom without stopping, but you can't stand going shopping, that's gayish. Oh, gayish, you're probably gayish. Well, life's just too short for narrow stereotypes, so it's gayish. We're also gayish. It's gayish with Mike and Kyle. Hello, everyone in the podcast universe. This is Gayish. The podcast that reminds you where there's smoke, there's someone who vapes. <laughs> oh, but the, they they don't think it's smoke because they're douchebags. Yep. They think it's invisible somehow. Yeah, I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. And we're here to bridge the gap between sexuality and actuality. And today... Today, we're going to talk about yoga. We're going to talk about yoga, uh, uh, not to be confused with yogurt, which is very different. <laughs> That's that's so true, Mike. That's a good point. Speak on that. You know, I know. I just I'm I'm full of knowledge and wisdom, Kyle. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> and that's why you have a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in I'm in Quito, Ecuador. How is it? Well, OK, despite being a completely different country, they use U.S. dollars here. They don't have their own oh. money. So it's it's really boring. <laughs> that's the only thing i find interesting when i'm traveling is the monopoly money that i get to collect yeah and, and they don't do that here um also altitude sickness is very much a thing and i haven't been sick it's just been it's been super mild uh my my symptoms are i'm dumber than usual uh and and uh it, it, you really do get winded like going upstairs or going up a hill like start panting pretty heavy that's why you were winded after going to the bathroom right exactly right it's only like 20 okay. feet from, so it's, it's like 20 feet away. And I, I like start sweating on the way back. It's crazy. On the Patreon bonus episode, you said you would drink some cocaine tea if you, if it got to be too bad. I know that this is an audio podcast. And do you see this? Coca. It says Coca and it's just fucking leaves. It looks like a dried salad in a bag. So you're ready to go just in case. I am going to, well, first not try to bring this home because apparently TSA does not like that even a little bit. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, but I haven't tried it yet. I threatened to, I'm not afraid of it. The place that I work does not do drug testing. So I won't test positive for cocaine. Cause nobody's going to check dive in, man, dive in, man. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Bought that at the uh, Mercado Central this morning. Hmm. Okay. Uh, did we bullshit enough? Yeah, I think so. Okay, great. We do have 100 words. Uh, at a certain level of Patreon, if you send in 100 words, it doesn't matter what they are. I will read them. I have had a hmm, fear, concern, worry that there's a loophole here that somebody could either like pay us through our normal advertising process to get it to buy an ad or they could pay fifteen dollars and <laughs> send in hundred words. Uh, I believe lower than our usual rate. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is. I don't think this person is advertising for themselves, but on behalf of somebody else. I, whatever. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah. A hundred words, dear every person listening. <laughs> Was that me? Yep. Yeah. Fucking grinder, man. Okay. Dear every person listening, please listen and support another LGBT podcast called Not Well. Bobby and Jim will audibly satisfy your pussy clot or excite the vein snake humorously. Wink emoji. Not Well podcast. Sub, share, Patreon, 
It's a beautiful podcast that deserves to be heard. Not well podcast. Topic to talk shit or twink thought thick two top picks. You'll be happy you came. Current events, relationships, and shade tea filled. Please give it a chance on all platforms. I love you, Mike and Kyle. XOXOX exclamation point. Thanks, Thatcher. Yeah, thanks, I guess. It's interesting you're promoting someone else's podcast on our podcast, but, you know, I guess they're gay, so I'll allow it. Yeah, and I find it really hard to know exactly just how over-the-top and dramatic to make the all-capsness that was in the email. I think you did it appropriately. Yeah, okay. Well, great. (laughs) And now the news. Shut your mouth hole. It's time for your ear holes. News. 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 Okay, Kyle. News the first. Great. Um, Son of a bitch. Mike, get a, it together. <laughs> I'm a train wreck today. <laughs> um, speaking of train wrecks, uh, the new speaker of the house is named Mike Johnson, and he's a real yeah. dickbag fuckface asshole. <laughs> he has to become an automatic contender, right? Absolutely. I now I want to also be a contender. So when we come, I, we haven't figured out the process yet, but I'm sure it will be completely opaque just like the dildo system but <laughs> i i i formally throw my hat into the ring as a candidate for dickbag fuckface asshole of the year and also the other mike johnson who is for sure more qualified but he's mm-hmm. not qualified to be speaker of the house which is what he finds himself uh being <laughs> uh all of, all, all, all of a sudden uh so he is a relatively new member of the house of representatives from the great state of louisiana and uh, boy, he's a real winner. Uh, okay, he's in his fourth term representing a northwestern Louisiana district in the U.S. House. Uh, before that, he spent one term in the Louisiana State House. And uh, in 2015, when he was still in Louisiana, he introduced a license to discriminate bill, uh, which would specifically allow denial of goods and services to same-sex couples. Fuck that. Of course, because uh, because because Jesus. Yep. God wanted you to discriminate against gays. That's yeah. one of his top 10 commandments. Yep. Uh, in Congress, he has been um, slowly but surely doing whatever he can to fuck us over. He introduced an education bill that would be a national version of Florida's Don't Say Gay Law. And uh, he led a hearing on the possibility of banning, banning gender affirming care for trans minors. Um, David Armistead, a Louisiana resident who's on the HRC's board of governors said, quote, he's been building a resume of hate against LGBTQ people. I feel like my resume is a resume of hate. It's all the (laughs) things I've hated doing at all of my previous jobs that I have to pretend like I like. Yeah. So, you know, what if you could get a job just by listing the things that you hate? Like you just, just, (laughs) I mean, it'd definitely be the most unique resume they'd seen all day. (laughs) Consider me for this job. Things I hate. Pickles. World of Warcraft. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, They say that Johnson has a problem saying the quiet part out loud. He specifically said something really, really horrible about gay people. Where is the thing? Yeah, he once called same-sex marriage, quote, the dark. This is a quote. This is not. This is. Okay. He once called same-sex marriage, quote, the dark harbinger of chaos and sexual anarchy that could doom even the strongest republic. (laughs) Ooh, I kind of love it. 
Why do I kind of like that? <laughs> I mean, it's poetic. We can doom an entire republic. We have such power. I feel like sometimes when they criticize us, they give us so much power that like we can take down the entirety of society. And it's like, oh, the world is just a little oyster at our fingers that we get to slurp down <laughs> with discretion. And of course, he's like that in part because we don't produce children and he has a lot of views that everyone should be producing children all the time because Jesus. So for instance, he's also, um, he's opposed to abortion rights because he said that we are robbing the economy of able-bodied workers. (laughs) For all the reasons to be against abortion because of the economy, like to to keep our GDP up is the dumbest (laughs) reason uh he thinks doctors who perform abortions should be punished to do hard labor uh he also wants to make it harder uh, or opposes legislation to make it harder to obtain guns and uh, in fact thinks that we have too many gun restrictions oh my god and he just he just i'm so sorry on behalf of all mike johnson's everywhere this mike johnson says that mike johnson does not deserve to be a mike johnson wow strong words from mike johnson <laughs> Uh, all right. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. Uh, news the second. Great. All right. So, 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 okay. Where do I want to start with this? Well, I'll just start. I'll just start by starting at the start. So Japan is not really super great at gay stuff. I don't know if how much we've talked about this before, but there's a lot of like legal and cultural issues about the queer community that, Japan fucks up and has been fucking up for a really long time. And, but we just kind of, I don't know, ignore it because they're cute. I don't, I don't get it. But (laughs) 20 years ago, they passed a law that said that trans people who want to change their documents must have been uh, uh, diagnosed with gender identity disorder, be at least 18 years old, be unmarried and without any underage children. And they must have had bottom surgery that includes sterilization. That's the, that they're burying the lead there. But so, yeah, if you want to change your gender identity marker, you have to have your ability to procreate taken away from you as part of making your genitals match what they required the genitals to be like. Yeah. It's just, oh my goodness. I know we have a lot of fucked up shit in this country, but I don't think we do that. Do we? I don't know. I think the laws just vary so much by state. I don't know what it takes to change your gender marker on your IDs. Well, in the United States, the Supreme Court routinely overturns law, like it happens multiple times per year. Since World War II, it's only happened 12 times in the country of Japan that the Supreme Court has judged a legal provision as unconstitutional. And they have just ruled uh, this last week that the requirement that they have bottom surgery and be sterilized is unconstitutional. Ooh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's it's very very rare for again very very rare for the Supreme Court to uh, overturn a law. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! What? 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 Forget for, forget all of that that I just said. Well, not all of okay. it. Okay. Like I definitely fucked it up. So they never strike strike down anything. They've only struck down things twice, like twelve times since World War II. They struck down just the part of requiring sterilization. They still require bottom surgery. Oh. Which I don't know. I don't know how. Well, somebody, I, I will read up on it and, and educate myself. But I, I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand how you can have bottom surgery and 
preserve your ability to have children, but I guess you can, or maybe you can't, and they're just making a meaningless distinction. I don't know. The Supreme Court of Japan is trying to intervene in a way that sounds like it's the right direction. I'm anti-sterilization, so that's okay. Great. Yeah. Yeah, That you're right. That seems like a step forward, but is it? I don't know either. Yeah. Uh, but lots of LGBTQ uh, 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 legal experts like Ken Suzuki, who's a professor at uh, Meiji University, is, is saying that this is a big deal. He said, you know, for the judges to pick anything up is a big deal. And the fact that they picked this up really is very significant. Hmm. So we'll see. Uh, Japan is the only G7 nation with no legal protection for same-sex unions. And uh, basically, they, they need they need to get their shit together. Japan, get your shit yeah. together. Yeah, Japan. Uh, news the last. Uh, so uh, Democrats have introduced a bill in Congress that would create a national LGBTQ plus history and culture museum as part of the Smithsonian. Oh, no way. Yeah. U.S. Representative Mark Pocan, who's a gay Democrat from Wisconsin and the chair of the Congressional Equality Caucus, uh, put forward two bills on Friday that would create a National Museum of American LGBTQ plus history and culture. Uh, it's tied into LGBTQ plus history month, which was October. And uh, it would form an eight member commission uh, to investigate the feasibility of establishing such a significant institution in the nation's capital. And they would have several key responsibilities, including devising a plan of action and a fundraising strategy to financially fuel the establishment, operation, and maintenance of the museum through public contributions. Um, I'm sure it'll sail through Congress and everything will be fine. Yeah, the <laughs> the idea of that going through the current Congress with the current climate is seems like... It's a great idea. It's a great idea. Let's stick with that. That's a great idea. I love that idea. Yeah, with Dick Bag Fuckface asshole nominated speaker of the house, Mike Johnson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Well, that's the news. That's the news. Speaking of people that are great ideas, I want to thank the following Patreon members. Thank you to Thomas. Just Thomas. Nailed it. Thanks, Thomas. Yep. Uh thank you to I don't know how to say GD St. Pete. GDST Pete. Good to Pete. Good St. Pete. Thank you. I don't know. Goddamn St. Pete. Goddamn St. Pete. (laughs) And Jacob Rossitano, who sent in how to say his name, including how to say the name Jacob. So thank you for your opinion being so low of me that you didn't think I knew how to say the name Jacob. (laughs) Maybe I deserve it. If you want to join and have me say your name or uh, send a hundred words for Mike to read or get bonus content or lots of other great benefits, you can check them all out at patreon.com slash gayish podcast. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Thanks for your money. Thank you. All right. You want to talk about yoga? Yeah, let's talk about yoga. Let's talk about yoga, Kyle. So we're going to have a guest on who is an expert at yoga, yoga teacher and author, Jessamine Stanley. But before we have her on, Mike, do you do know about, care about yoga? Well, so you and I, when we first started being friends, had another friend who was also part of... Sorry, I know you have to beep that every time. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, ERG. And uh, he would host yoga at his house. So we did gay yoga from time to time together. Yeah. I have not done that since I stopped hanging out with that person. (laughs) Do you, do you intentionally avoid it? Do you like it? Did you like, I don't intentionally avoid it. I I think, I think it's nice to like, 
there was like social aspects to it and it can like feel good to stretch your, your body out. And, but I just, I also find the whole thing to be a little woo woo and never really understood it yeah. or what the benefits were supposed to be. I haven't missed it since it's been gone. I do keep getting older though. Maybe that, maybe I wouldn't have if I'd kept it up. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What about, what about, what about you? Like, do you, do you, you don't practice anymore. I don't think. Well, you don't know me. I, um, know. I mean, I do, but <laughs> you do, you do. But every now and then I'll like pull up a yoga, like online video and mm-hmm. do like a 10 minute yoga. It's that's, you know, a handful of times since this is not a regular occurrence for me, but every now and then I'm like, I should stretch. I mm-hmm. hear that stretching is really good for you. And then mm-hmm. it feels kind of good. Cause like your body feels like it, it's like eating a salad, you know, mm-hmm. it's like doing something good for your body. And you're like, my body is happy that I did that. It's mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wish I did yoga a little bit more. I do kind of have to ignore and, you just kind of put up with the woo woo spiritual side of it that I don't totally like buy into. Yeah. But I can appreciate, I think the energy that people are bringing to it, even if it's a little on the woo woo side is still like a valuable, like it's about opening. It seems like opening your heart up and your body up and your mind up and letting in good things. Like there's some parts of it that seem like they'd be useful for me to just kind of get over and buy into a little bit more. But like, I don't know. I don't think the, like the sun is going to expand my world. And I don't think butterflies are going to start speaking to me because of doing yoga. Yeah. You like, you definitely should be medicated. It's not just your chakras are out of alignment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should maybe if you are having body pains, maybe go to a doctor as well. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> there's there's multiple prong approach and yoga might be one of them, but there's more to do there. Yeah. But that's why I think we're going to have an expert on to talk to us a little bit more about yoga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're going to take a break and not do yoga. And when we not get back, yoga. we're going to not do yoga, but we're going to talk to right. somebody who does a lot of yoga, Jessamine Stanley. Uh, yep. who seems pretty badass, but I don't know. haven't met her yet. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be great. I'm super excited. Um, yeah, me too. Uh, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. Let's take a break. Yoga break. Oh, no. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. <laughs> We're back. Uh, with us is Jessamine Stanley, author, yogi, podcaster badass welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'm so (laughs) glad to be here with some fellow gays i feel like this is like exactly how i'm trying to spend my time so thank you for having me yeah (laughs) Uh, so we'll we'll get to the yoga thing uh, uh, soon and i do i do want to talk about everywhere that i've read says that you are queer do you put a finer point on it or is that your word queer is my word i i kind of go with all words i like gay i like dyke um, but a queer is really like centralizes it gives me a, a foothold to stand in because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, i mean for some people you know it's an overloaded term right like they use it to mean mm-hmm. just in the community somewhere or like that's that's their 
their word for themselves. So, yeah, totally. I mean, I came out as a lesbian when I was uh, 17. Like, I started telling people about it when I was 17. And mm-hmm. then I came out as like queer when I was in my early 20s. And for me, it just felt like a way to, because I had already told my like high school girlfriend that I thought I might be bisexual or like, I was like, I'm not really sure what's going on. I'm, I'm pretty sure I still want to fuck men, but like, I don't really know. And then I, when I found out about queer, I was like, oh no, no, that's great. Let's just start saying that. That, that <laughs> covers all the bases. I feel good about that. So it's like queer and gender identity, queer and sexuality. Yeah, that's me. Well, let's get into yoga as you are the yoga expert. Can you tell us how you got into yoga in the first place? I was going to say, how did I become a yoga expert? I'm telling you, man, I literally never, I thought yoga was just for thin white women. I was like, this is not for me at all. Um, Okay. It, I really got into it when I was in graduate school, but the first time I went to a yoga class was when I was in high school. My aunt was obsessed with Bikram yoga at the time. Have y'all ever done Bikram yoga or do you know anything about this? I know that there's lots of kind of yoga and they're more yes. or less sweaty. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's great. I feel like you know all there is to know. Um, just uh, to deepen that explanatory comma, Bikram yoga is a style of hot yoga. That's really all that needs to be said. Um, so my aunt was like an evangelical for this type of yoga. She was like, oh my God, you have to go. It's going to change your life. And I was 16 hanging out on the couch watching VHS tapes all summer. So I was like, what's the, like, I'll just go to this yoga class with her, whatever, who cares? And I went and it was one of the worst experiences of my life. Like even now looking back, having practiced so much yoga since then, I'm still like, yeah, that was bullshit. So that anytime that someone (laughs) is like, "Uh, I don't know why you like yoga because I've been to yoga and it sucks. I'm like, no, I feel you. Like, It is the worst, actually. But anyway, so I went, I had a terrible experience. And I could go into more detail about this. I actually, my first book, Everybody Yoga, which you can find anywhere the books are sold, I go into a lot more detail about this. So if you're curious, it's there. But um, yeah, after that experience, I was like, never again. But cut to... Cut to when I was in graduate school. So this is like seven years later. And I was going through a period of depression that honestly, if you've been in your early 20s, then you have been where I was. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like who I am and what I'm studying and the work that I'm doing don't line up. Like I'm feeling all this confusion. My high school girlfriend and I were breaking up and I was realizing how much of my identity I'd found in that relationship. And Mm. I was just really spiraling. And one of my friends was also an evangelical for Bikram yoga. And she was like, oh my God, come to yoga. It's going to change your life. And I was like, no, because I've actually done that before. And I already know that it sucks. So like, I'm not doing that with you. But she got me caught up on a Groupon. It was like, what's the worst that could happen? I'll go to this yoga class one time. And then I only paid for the Groupon and it's not that big of a deal. And I went and again, like everything about it was everything about it sucked. It was like the style of yoga, the room is about 104 degrees. So it's just like hot as hell. I was sweating from places that I really didn't know that human beings sweat. Like I was sweating in my eyebrows and like the tops of my fingers. And this is without actually doing anything. So it's just like, this is terrible. But I realized like, at some point in the class, just how frequently I tell myself no. Because 
I'm so also in this style of yoga, you're facing mirrors. So I'm like looking at myself in a mirror, which as a fat person, I have been actively avoiding mirrors my entire life up to this point. So um, it's like my nightmare to need to just like stare at myself in the mirror. And I'm looking at myself and I'm like, why did you even come to this class? Everyone in here can see that you shouldn't be here. The teacher knows that you don't know what you're doing. Everyone can see like you shouldn't be doing this. And I was just like, so are you going to spend the whole 90 minute class acting like this or are you going to just try? Because mm. you could just try mm. and like maybe you fall down and maybe everyone in the room is going to see that you don't know what you're doing and maybe you're going to be so embarrassed, but you could just try. Mm. And when I gave myself permission to try on the yoga mat, it really showed me how many other places in my life I was not giving myself permission to try. Like mm. how many times I said no, and I'm not going to go there and I don't deserve this. And so I kept coming back to yoga because it was a place for me to practice just stepping outside my boundaries and saying, this is who I am and I'm going to go for it, even if I do fall down and, and over time expecting to fall down and seeing what happens when I pick myself back up again. And honestly, to this day, that is still why I come back to my yoga practice. It's like my medicine to help me remember that I'm allowed to fall down and that the changes in life, the ups and downs are supposed to happen. It's not like I went to yoga and I was just like, oh my God, I'm so magically flexible and this is the best exercise ever. <laughs> it was like, no, this is like getting my face slammed against the pavement over and over and over again. And the glory is realizing what happens when I stand up again. Hmm. So in that, in that, in that, I guess, second time that you went many years later but you, the, the 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 beginning of this latest journey or whatever did you fall down oh my god so many times i fell oh, i fell down today i'm sure <laughs> you're really, and it's, i think that um that's a piece of it though is really like recognizing that it's you learn a lot when you fall down that you learn more from falling down than you do from standing up and something that i think about a lot too is like how there was this whole period of time at the beginning of life where you fall down all the time and you don't care so like the first couple years of life it's just full time falling down but you don't know to feel ashamed or embarrassed and the thing that yoga is really helpful with is just remembering that that little kid inside of you that fought, that falls down a million times and doesn't care, you are still that little kid. I am still that little kid. And so if it was okay to fall down then, it's okay to fall down now. Hmm. Uh, so, something else I wanted to ask. We're... Um... We, we talk about stereotypes all the time on this show. That's the whole, the whole point. And you, you said, you said you had it in your head that yoga is for skinny white girls, but it, it, isn't it? Like, is, is that stereotype totally. true? Totally. Um, no. So that's the thing that's so interesting about this practice is that it's real. Yoga is for everybody. And I think that has become like kind of catchphrasy and it's like, oh, is it really? But like literally it's for everybody. And it has become in America, especially become very much associated with thin, wealthy, cis had like cisgender heterosexual white women specifically mm -hmm. but that's just because that's who people market to in general so like if you look at marketing overall it's definitely slanted toward thin wealthy white women but if you can the basis of practicing yoga is breathing mm 
So if you can breathe, you can practice yoga. And every yoga posture looks different for every person. So depending on where you are in your life, depending on what your body looks like, depending on how your body feels that day, depending on what you've gone through, depending on how old you are, depending on just what's going on in your own personal journey, each yoga posture is going to look different for you. And so being able to lean into just breathing is really the key so that as long as you can breathe, you can live this practice. What is it like when, you know, that stereotype is out there and you're trying to break that stereotype in a thousand different ways with your identity? What is that like being in yoga when you don't fit the stereotype? Totally. You know, I, hmm. What's interesting to me is that I really represent a, I would say an overwhelming majority of people so that like being someone who works in an industry that is predominantly white, pre predominantly like able-bodied, thin, straight, like very much not a space where you see like fat, black, queer people starting businesses. So to have my wellness company, The Underbelly, be in this space where there really has never been... Um, anyone like us before, I think that there's this feeling of like, wow, you're doing something brand new. But if you go out to yoga studios and you see who's really showing up, it's all kinds of people. And even before I started, before I started the underbelly, before I started sharing my yoga practice on social media, I can think of seeing people like Diane Bondi and Anna Guest Jelly and Amber Carnes doing this work of showing like, fat bodied black queer practitioners living their lives honestly. So I think that the thing that is most challenging is dealing with the fact that representation makes it feel like you are alone. It makes me, it has made me feel very much alone. But what is heartening is that Everywhere I look, everywhere I turn, there are people just like me who want to be in community, who are desperately seeking this kind of connection. So that even in the places where it can feel very lonely, it's nice to know that we're just carrying a beacon of light that will be seen by those who need to see it. Uh, just to back up a tiny bit, the underbelly is, is capital U underbelly. That's your app? Right? Yes. So the underbelly is my wellness app and community. And we started the underbelly because we wanted to make a space where it's okay to practice yoga your way. Like if you go out to literally like any yoga studio, any, if you practice on any other yoga app or website, there's definitely a feeling of like aspiration or like you should look a certain way or the posture should feel a certain way or your experience of it should be one particular way. But at the underbelly, we really focus on just finding the yoga that lives within you. We're all about like fart, curse, fall down, have your, your dog, your kid, whatever, be there right with you. Your pants are going to fall down. No big deal. Like just be yourself. And that's something that I think even outside of yoga, we're so 
infrequently offered the opportunity to just be ourselves. But at the underbelly, that's really the ethos is just be yourself. And you can practice yoga on the underbelly. You can go to theunderbelly.com to sign up for a free trial, or you can go, you can search us on literally like any streaming app store. We're there. So iOS, Android, Roku, all them bitches. We are there. (laughs) You can practice yoga with me. One of the classes that I saw that you had on YouTube was called couch potato yoga. And that like, for me, just the name of that revolutionizes what I imagine yoga to be. I don't even think of that being something that you could do from the couch. So tell me a little bit about some of the kind of different styles of yoga that you uh, teach. Totally. So, oh my God, thank you for bringing up couch potato yoga, because I think that there's an assumption that like you have to practice yoga for a certain period of time, or like you have to do, you have to be working towards certain kinds of postures, but the whole purpose is just to find relief within your body. And if you're sitting on the couch scrolling or watching TV, that's a perfect time to practice yoga, especially a perfect time to practice some of the postures where like ultimately you're just sitting there. So like whether it is, you know, you're like, whether it's a forward fold or I really love hip openers. Like when you're just sitting and scrolling or watching TV or something, going into a single pigeon pose or a double pigeon pose or anything like that, where you can just start to open up your hips, but also just hang out and chill. It can just be such a relief to your body. And you're literally practicing yoga at the same time. It doesn't have to be quite so formal as like, I'm going to take a yoga class or like, I'm going to get out my yoga mat. No, you can practice yoga in bed. You can practice yoga in the pool. You can practice yoga like literally anywhere. And it's helpful to remember that because I think that It is important, at least for me personally, it's important to practice yoga at this point in my life every single day. And that can feel really daunting if you're like, no, I have to roll out my yoga mat for an hour and a half every single day or I didn't practice yoga. No, you can practice yoga anywhere. You can practice yoga in the carpool line. You can practice yoga like while you're in a fight with your ex. You can practice (laughs) yoga like while you are. That's actually an ideal time to practice yoga is when you're in a fight with anyone. (laughs) But like just finding these moments of peace for yourself to be quiet, to find quiet within yourself, even if it's only for a breath, even if it's for like five minutes, just to practice one posture can really change the timbre of your day and ultimately change the course of your life. Uh, and you're, you're in North Carolina, from North Carolina? So I'm from North Carolina. I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I spent the last decade in Durham, North Carolina. And I have been in Northern California for the last couple of years. And I'm in, I'm just north of Oakland, which has been such an interesting, it's very interesting to go from being like, queer in the south i don't do y'all have any connections to the south or do you know anything about being in the south it's just like very um not gay friendly i would say (laughs) overall so it's very interesting to go from that to being in the san francisco bay area which i would argue is well maybe Y'all are in Washington, so like maybe Seattle is like second gayest, but I feel like San Francisco (laughs) is like the gayest part of America. And like 
it's just very interesting to transition from that from one area to the next because there is still there's prejudice all over the world but it's just interesting to me the way that it manifests but to answer your question in short i'm from north carolina i live in california I mean, of those two states, California is the closer to yoga in my brain. Like my, my yeah, yeah, same yeah, yoga like radar. For sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, well, and so that's an interesting point. Like even growing up. So, okay. <laughs> growing up in North Carolina, there are a lot of stigmas about yoga and about uh, Eastern spirituality in general. Um, there are a lot of people who are just like, I'm not going to go there. I don't know what you're talking about. This is too weird for me. I don't like this. And California is really like the bastion of yoga in in the West, I would say overall, but certainly in the United States. And there's so much emphasis on it here. Whereas in North Carolina, it really depends on what part of the state you're in. And there are limited there's limited opportunity to practice like a lot of different styles of yoga. So in California, there's lots of access to so many different styles of yoga, but in North Carolina, there's pretty limited access, I would say. And it really, it has a lot to do with where you're from, what you're interested in. And even within that in North Carolina, I would say that the yoga communities tend to be pretty, um, homogenous so not as diverse (laughs) as they can be in california but again prejudice is everywhere and there's a lack of there's a subtle lack of diversity everywhere so i would say that the yoga community regardless of where you are in my opinion is overwhelmingly white overwhelmingly thin centric there's definitely an emphasis on like what your body looks like and i haven't really noticed that being different from north carolina to california i wanted to ask i wanted to ask a little bit about you know like queer people have their own struggles with mental health like over and mm-hmm. above you know cishet folks and um i know that there's lots of different flavors of yoga is there any kind of yoga that's like better or or more appropriate for queer people do you have is that even a a a reasonable Mm. question to ask that well i think every question is a reasonable question to ask i would say that any style of yoga is the best style of yoga could be the best style of yoga for you and i think that it is true that as queer people we have a mental health journey that i think is often a lot more arduous than that of straight people. And I think that any style of yoga that offers you the spaciousness to really accept every single piece of yourself is crucial. Hmm. So I don't think that there's any particular style that is better than the rest, but I'm always in favor of postures and styles where you stay in the postures for a long period of time because there's an opportunity to get past the bullshit and baggage of just wanting to be like, look, I'm doing this posture. Look at how I'm doing it and really get into how it feels in your body. So from that, I would really recommend like yin yoga, I think is really great for that. Yin Mm. yoga is it moves much more slowly. You stay in postures for a long period of time. 
and you're unpacking a lot of emotional baggage that goes along with that. And another style of yoga that I think is really great for that is yoga nidra, which can lead you into sleep as well. And it's really yoga nidra is it straddles this line of postural yoga and meditation. And it allows for you to really start to dig into the baggage of yourself in a very particular way. So those two styles of yoga stand out, but I don't think that there's like a style of yoga that it's like, yes, queer people do this style of yoga. Anything that makes you feel good and that makes you feel in tune with your body, just give it a try because so much of it comes down to how you're feeling that day, who the instructor is, and what you are looking to get out of the experience. So that a style of yoga that you think is not for you could end up being the style of yoga that totally changes your life. You just have to be open to it. You're you're talking about a lot of like m- the mental effects of yoga, and you, you you I think you mentioned like any kind of yoga that helps you accept all parts of your identity. How does, you know, yoga can seem on its surface to be about stretching <laughs> and totally. not. So how does yoga help with these kind of mental or emotional sides of you? It's a really great question. So hmm, when we talk about the physical body, I think we don't always note that the physical body is directly connected to the emotional body and to the mental body. So Sometimes when you talk about yoga, you'll say that it is linking the body, mind, and spirit. And that's really what's happening. So when you're stretching your physical body, and it doesn't even have to be through traditional yoga classes. This could happen through running, swimming, CrossFit, whatever. But when you stretch your physical body, you're also stretching your mental body and you're stretching your emotional body as well. And you're creating pathways to unite all of those different pieces of yourself. And whereas with running or CrossFit or swimming, there's not necessarily an emphasis on that spiritual connection. In yoga, there is a heavy emphasis on that. So while I personally think that you can get all the same benefits from literally any of those practices, whatever physical practice you choose, yoga is a very direct path to saying, okay, so I'm stretching my physical body. How is that stretch of my physical body impacting my mental space? How is it allowing me access to my emotions? And how is it allowing me to have a deeper spiritual connection with myself? When we uh, talked before you got on, one of the challenges I tend to have with yoga is sometimes I feel like there's a little bit of that woo-woo side of yoga that I just don't connect with. So what would you say to skeptics like me who kind of have a little bit of a, a roadblock when it comes there? Relatable, first of all. Okay, here's the deal. So when I first started practicing yoga, I was like, is this a religion? I'm not really sure what's going on. And if it is a religion, should I even be doing it? Because I am not South Asian. I don't know anything about, is it Hinduism? I'm not sure what's going on. Like I felt so much conflict about it. And what I can say is that ultimately, regardless of who the teacher is or what the studio is or what the practice is, Yoga is leading you back to yourself. It's always taking you back to your own truth. And there is a lot of cultural appropriation that happens in Western yoga specifically. And I think there's like a bullshit meter that we all have where it's like, yeah, I'm not into this. This feels good. I don't know. There's just like kind of sketchy and I'm not here for it. And or it's like, 
I literally don't know what's going on and it's making me feel uncomfortable. And so when that happens, I mean, my advice is to leave the space or like if you're like taking an online class, I'm a big believer in online classes, especially like starting out with classes on YouTube and just trying out different free classes with different teachers and seeing like what feels good, what doesn't feel good. But if you're taking a class and you're like, yeah, I'm not feeling this vibe stop taking it, turn off the class, move on with your life. Um, I think there is a certain level of inquiry that can happen when you're in those spaces and you're like, okay, this is making me feel weird or like this kind of bullshit. It's, there's a place of being like, well, okay, how often do I think like that? Like where else in my life am I calling bullshit? Is this just like that? Like there's a space of inquiry there that I think is really interesting. But I think there's also a place of like, yeah, I'm not into this. This isn't for me. And so there are so many different practitioners and teachers and styles of yoga and classes that you can go to where they're really keeping it pretty neutral. And they're not talking about like any kind of spirituality or talking about anything that might skew you in one direction or the other. And so seeking out those resources, finding those classes is definitely helpful. Um, I think also allowing yourself to be the teacher at first. So like whether that's finding this is really how I rooted my home yoga practice was looking up postures on Instagram, like looking at pictures of them and then teaching myself how to practice the posture. So I would like take little tutorial classes. I would look at pictures and books, just research a bunch of stuff and just work on it on my own. And then finding that confidence with the voice within makes it a lot easier to go into those spaces where it's like, okay, you might be on some bullshit that I don't really believe in, but you know, I can still get something out of this experience. And then from there, there's this larger opening that comes when it's like, okay, so I'm not relying on any one teacher or any one style of yoga or any one studio to be the leader. Now what's the spirituality about? Because I am experiencing something that's happening on a much deeper level. And then from there, there comes the inquiry of like, what is, is yoga a religion? What do, what do those words mean? What is this practice actually about? And that's really how that deeper understanding of the practice in general comes from. But I think that having that kind of bullshit meter and being like, yeah, I'm not into this is really important because cultural appropriation is so common in our, specifically in American style yoga. And it becomes this thing where like people are kind of pretending to practice yoga or like pretending to be some, they're pretending to be someone that they're not more than anything else. And that is ultimately mm. not the point of practicing. So like th there's a, a little bit the reverse of that or the corollary of that. I, I imagine that you have been the focus of some gatekeeping by, mm. by, by, by people who think that you don't belong Can, mm -hmm. is, well, first, is that true? I'm just making the assumption. And then how have you, have you managed that in putting together your practice? Totally. Um, yeah, I've definitely experienced a fair amount of people being like, well, this isn't how I was taught or like this isn't the way that it's supposed to be. And I just always think that's really interesting as a concept because yoga is everything. So 
yoga means union. It means to join together. And that means that any time that we're talking about the union or the intersection of different ideas, that that is yoga. So whenever someone says that the way that I'm practicing yoga or the way that I teach yoga is not the way that they understand yoga, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It can be different from the way that you understand yoga and still be yoga at the same time. And I think that as a practitioner, having that kind of feedback is really helpful because it's just like, it's like kicking the tires on the idea. It's like, is, does this ring true to me? Is this what, what feels good to me? It's just like a gut check. So I always take things like that as an invitation. And I think particularly as I've started to, because now that, yes, I teach, especially if you practice with me on the underbelly, you'll find like more traditional pastoral style yoga classes. But as I've expanded my understanding of yoga and expanded the conversation about yoga to include things like cannabis and polyamory and um, naked yoga, that has really shown me how many people have like very strict ideas about what the practice of yoga is. And it just always feels like an opportunity to have a deeper conversation and for us to really explore the reasons that we practice yoga in collective community. There's something very positive and healthy about the way you're reacting to this kind of situation. Is there ever any time you're like, just fuck it. Fuck you for the way you're treating. Like, like I just, sometimes I want to hear just the like, Oh, fuck off. You're wrong. I'm right. You know? Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. It's a hundred percent. Fuck you all the time. Like I want to be really clear. (laughs) I think that I, the way, the way that I ultimately synthesize things, it comes to like, we're all one. It's all good. But in order to get to we're all one, I have to go to, yeah, but fuck you forever also. Because I think (laughs) that like really being able to embody that and feel that, and I'm a double cancer, so this is what I'm going to say about this, but it's very much like, I just, you have to feel the feeling all the way through. So (laughs) definitely for sure. But what happens when I say fuck you forever is that I can see the other person's perspective and I see, can see how they are coming from a place of fear. Ultimately, Mm -hmm. that is the only reason to like push back against someone. It's because they are saying something that you feel challenges your version of reality and it's scary. And I'm like, oh, my God, I know what it is to be scared. I feel Mm -hmm. you. I get it. And then I feel compassionate. And I'm like, oh, my God, totally. So, yeah, I get it. Okay, cool. So I'm just like you. That's why people freak out about trans people and queer people too, right? Like it's exactly it's, it's such a such a, a, a fucked up human thing to do, and I don't know. Literally, anytime that someone says anything like transphobic or homophobic, I'm like, you're gay. Like that's what that is. I'm like, you are mad or sad or scared that somebody's gonna find that out about you. Like mm-hmm. you're dealing you're trying to understand yourself and you're ashamed and it's really shitty i think that as people who are marginalized that we are then asked to be compassionate on top of that to be like yeah i get where you're coming from transphobe it's like so Mm -hmm. that i don't i don't feel like anybody needs to do that but i do think that us all finding compassion for each other is the way forward so it's like it's just it's annoying i think more than anything but (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm 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 still stuck on nude stoned poly yoga. That like I (laughs) (laughs) never forget. You got to yes. (laughs) I want to know more about that. (laughs) Oh my god, it's the only way to do it. I was talking to a yoga teacher friend of mine, and she was like, she was like, "What's it like to practice yoga naked?" And she's been practicing yoga so much longer than me to the point where I did not understand her question. I was like, I was like explaining what it's like to share my naked yoga classes on OnlyFans. So you can practice naked yoga with me right now if you go to OnlyFans. Actually, you can go to my website, jessamansanley.com. There's a link there. But um, I was like, oh, yeah, let me talk to you about the internal internalized misogyny that is like makes practicing yoga naked on OnlyFans complicated for me. And she was like, no, bitch. I'm literally asking you, what does it feel like to practice yoga when you are naked. And I was just like, you've never practiced yoga naked. This is confusing <laughs> to me. Cause I'm like, what I, I feel like I started practicing yoga naked before I started practicing yoga. Like it was, it was just like a direct shot for me. And I also started smoking weed and practicing yoga immediately. I was like hot boxing my car at the yoga studio. Like I have, this is what I need to be doing because it makes it so much better. I'm like, if you think about it, if you think about like, being naked unless you're a never nude which literally shout out to the never nudes but if you're like yeah i enjoy being naked from time to time imagine being naked and practicing a spiritually liberating practice at the same time it's just better so like if you enjoy smoking weed getting stoned however you like to do this imagine how much more incredible that would be while you're doing your spiritually invigorating practice. And the thing about it is that ultimately we're just trying to peel back the layers of ourselves. And there are so many layers that come along with wearing clothes. There is a lot of baggage that comes along with it. And just like on a base level, for me, the reason to, and it's not, I'm not like, when I was thinking about naked yoga, I think about this very specific moment on Rugrats. Did y'all ever watch the show? Does this mean anything to you? Yeah. Uh, it's like this episode where Tommy is like deciding to be naked. He's he's like, Nike is Nike. And I always feel like Tommy Pickles with this. But anyway, so <laughs> it's not it's not full Tommy Pickles vibe. Like, I'm just going to get naked. It's very much like I'm practicing yoga. I'm going to take off my bra that is getting on my nerves because it's distracting me. I'm going to take off my pants because they're digging into my waistline waistline or they're sliding down below my belly and they're just getting on my nerves anyway i usually end up doing that because of some anatomical reason it's like Mm. it would be a lot easier for me to move my belly around or to move my chest meat around if i could actually touch my body and get really Mm. intimate and there's a way that you can deepen the postures when you're wearing fewer clothes that is really hard to do when you're wearing a lot of clothes And when I first started practicing yoga, I was really obsessed with like having my belly sucked in and like wearing leggings that would like pull my belly in as much as possible. But what I didn't realize at the time is that my belly is one of the best things about me. And this is something that I think if you are fat, if your belly protrudes, it's really easy to just feel like deep shame about that part of your body to the point of like trying to pretend that it's not there or hope that it will magically disappear if you have it sucking in as much as possible. But just to hold it and acknowledge it, that alone 
so powerful. But when you then start using your belly and making space for it between your thighs to sit up on top of your thighs, it's a game changer. And then when you take it that step further and start to use your belly as a prop, you use it like in yoga, sometimes we use sandbags as props. Your belly is like a sandbag on your body. So just actually moving your belly around to be an asset and to be a benefit. It's not just a physical changer in the postures. It's a full mental shift on who you are as a human being. So when we talk about body acceptance and body liberation, this is really the key to that is understanding that your body is happening on purpose and that you are happening on purpose. And I think that as queer people, this is a particularly profound journey to go on because there's so much of our lives where you just feel like ashamed of yourself. You feel like I'm not good enough. Like maybe I shouldn't have been born. And the reality is that Everybody is here for a purpose. Everybody has meaning. Every life has immense meaning. And so being able to understand that on a physical level as much as you can can really lift you up on the mental, emotional, and spiritual levels. So practicing yoga naked, clutch. And smoking weed with yoga, you know, what I will say about this is that it's not for everybody. But it is for some people. And I think it is amazing <laughs> on a personal level. I think it is incredible. It totally elevates the practice and takes it to a place where you're able to understand on a deeper level. You're able to experience on a deeper level and things that seem really physically challenging at first get a lot easier because of the weed. Hmm. Indica or sativa? It doesn't matter. Oh, my God. Sativa all day, indica all night. This is a great question. It's very important. <laughs> you know, it just depends. I used to not be an indica girl at all. But now, as time goes on, I need to chill, need to relax. But yeah, sativa in the morning, indica at night. I also I wanted to ask uh, just a little bit about your, your personal life. Are, are you partnered? Please. Are you single? Totally. Are you... I have several partners. Several yeah. sounds like so many. No, I have. I'm polyamorous. I have multiple partners. Um, I have, yeah, I have several part. I'm like, how? Who should I talk? What should be said? So I lived with one of my partners for almost ten years, and we. I just was in North Carolina visiting them, and I lived with. We lived for a year with one of my other partners, who I came out to California with. And, and who I did my podcast, Dear Jessamine, with. So if you search anywhere with podcasts, you can find our podcast, Dear Jessamine, where we talk about polyamory in depth. And I have um, other partners as well here in California. And it is, I think of my partners as being my most important yoga teachers. They really mm. teach me so much about life and about um, what it is to find and accept myself fully by accepting other people as they are yeah I, I wanted to know like do they do yoga with you and then oh interesting there's the whole Question. there's the whole the, the the bumper sticker thing about like you should neither try to teach nor learn something from a partner and mm. but do you teach do you teach any of them i don't know uh you know i again like i think that we are all teaching each other all the time. Yeah. Um, I have am very blessed to practice yoga with a couple of my partners and mm -hmm. to have a deep spiritual relationship with all of them. Mm -hmm. um, I don't practice yoga. One of my partners like never practices yoga. That is not a thing for them. And then another partner, we when we're together, we practice yoga every day. So mm -hmm. 
it just depends on who the person is. And I don't, I really try not to try to convince anyone that I love to practice yoga or to be like, like to do it with me. Cause I just feel like it turns them off from it. So I'm like, whenever people want to practice yoga with me, I'm like, Oh my God, for real, this is amazing. And I have um, someone that I care about deeply who she is just like meditating a hundred percent of the time. And so just being able to sit and be in conversation feels like a very powerful yoga practice. <laughs> I wanted to change gears and ask about uh, your cover of Self, which um, I, I saw that Donald Trump and Pierce Morgan both commented on. What did what did they have to say about your cover, and and what was your reaction to to that? Yeah, you know, it is so cool. It's very cool to be recognized on platforms where I am a part of a movement and my image is being shown in this way where lots of different people can engage with it. But what inevitably happens with that is that there are people who troll. And I would just say that Donald Trump Jr. and Pierce Morgan were just trolling and they, they were saying generally fat phobic things. I honestly don't really remember or pay that close attention to it because they said so many things that I have heard people say over the years so many times. And particularly, I am very thankful of the people who bullied me in middle school. I was bullied pretty extensively when I was a kid. And the thing that I learned from that is that hurt people hurt people. So like anyone who is feeling deep sadness in their life is going to try to create that sadness someplace else. People who are happy only want for other people to be happy. So like if you are saying something mean about another person, it's only coming from your own sadness. So when I receive negative feedback like that, I'm just like, oh yeah, so your life sucks. So now you want to make my life suck or something. I'm not really sure. And then the onus for me becomes like not falling into the cycle with them. So like Mm. finding the way to be like, oh, okay, cool. Honestly, thank you for the free press. That's amazing. More, please get Self Magazine, get Cosmopolitan. I love that. That's wonderful. And like, that's really where I sit with them. It's like, well, that and, and this is just my, uh, you know, growing up fat and black and femme, I know that straight white men love us. So when I see men talking shit like that, I'm like, yeah, but you really still want to fuck. That's ultimately what this is about. So I'm just like, okay, cool. Whatever friend, whatever you want to say, like I'm not really bothered by it. Uh One more thing that I wanted to bring up is in an interview with CNN, you talked about how yoga can help address racism. And I just, Mm -hmm. that it seems like that's a a lot for yoga to take on. So how is it possible that those two things can can happen together. Oh my God. I love that so much. So, okay. Oh man. Systemic racism is a really big issue to your point. It seems like a lot for yoga to take on. Yoga is about looking within yourself on a personal level. Part of the reason that systemic racism is so hard for us to handle on a macro level is because we refuse to do the level on a do to do the work on a micro level. So, Whenever you do the work of looking within yourself and noticing the internalized racism within yourself, that is leading to 
de- decolonizing and doing the work of getting rid of systemic racism. But it has to start at the individual level. So that's why I really think that yoga is the key, not just to um, dismantling systemic racism, but to releasing so many of the systemic problems that exist in our global society. When we do the work on an individual level, we're healing these very, very deep wounds. But without that work on an individual level, it's borderline impossible to do anything on a global scale. And that's why we see so many systemic problems exist and and really just like continue to get worse over time because we're not doing that work on the individual level. Hmm. I'm so curious y'all's thoughts about that. Uh, I, I, I agree. I agree. Like it, it makes a lot of sense that one can't happen without the other. And I think that people are either focused on the bottom up or the top down Mm -hmm. and we sort of need an eye on both. Like there are a lot of people who think, well, I'm not racist that Mm -hmm. therefore society isn't. And they're wrong on both accounts likely because everybody's a little bit racist. Literally. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But yeah, I I think it's, it's uh, the, the the focus on sort of know thyself as being part of what Mm -hmm. yoga accomplishes absolutely has to be, part of the equation so yeah it's so interesting because i think even just going back to that idea of like everyone's a little bit racist i think that the fact that that is debatable is part of the problem and Mm -hmm. i think that it becomes this thing of like white people are the problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) just a (laughs) simplify it'll be like (laughs) like point the finger like white people need to fix everything but as a black person i know that there is a way that i am playing into white supremacy as well so to not acknowledge that is to not acknowledge a huge part of the equation so yes white person in my yoga class needs to do the work but i also need to do the work and we need to part of the work is acknowledging that everyone needs to do the work and until that happens, I just don't really see any resolution of major systemic problems. Yeah, so I will say if you uh, could talk to the person who feels like they don't belong because they don't fit the stereotype mm-hmm. in whatever mm-hmm. way that means for them for yoga, but this has sparked some kind of curiosity or interest, what would you say to that person? Oh my God. If you want to practice yoga, literally just start today. Don't worry about getting the best mat. Don't try to figure out the best class to go to. Just get on YouTube, get on Instagram, TikTok, something, find a video, just mimic the postures. Maybe you just watch the class. You just sit and watch it on your phone. That's perfect. That is in and of itself a yoga practice. If you can work up to getting like a mat. It doesn't have to be the best mat. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Just find something that is comfortable for you. Once you get on that mat, you'll learn why it is a good idea to spend money on a good mat. Like you'll figure out the kind of clothes that you want to wear. You'll find the classes that work best for you. But start with one posture. Start with just breathing. Don't worry about trying to make it look any particular way. Just do your best. And your best is always enough. I love that. Yeah, that's very, very sweet. That's that's a that's a lovely capstone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. We talked about yoga. Uh, are you ready to take a break, Kyle? Yeah, yeah, let's take a break. Okay, let's take a break. This is the part where Mike and Kyle take a break. So are we back? We're back. We're back. We are going to do our gayest and straightest. 
We're going to do our gaze straightest, but first, Jessica Stanley, tell us everything about how to find you, what you're up to, what your future looks like. Tell it all the things. Oh my goodness. Well, you can find me, you can practice yoga with me on The Underbelly and you can go to theunderbelly.com or search for us in the app stores and you can find yoga classes with me. You can also find us on YouTube. You can search either The Underbelly or Jessamine Stanley and you can go to my website, jessaminestanley.com to find my books and my events and anything and everything that's coming up soon and also my naked yoga classes. And that's Jessamine spelled J-E-S-S-A-M, like monkey, Y-N, like Nancy, Stanley, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y. And you can find me on social media at my name is Jessamine and or at Jessamine Stan. And that's on all the platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest. If they make a new one, I'll be there under one of those names. (laughs) And you can also find my books, Everybody Yoga and Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance, literally anywhere the books are sold. You could start with Amazon or Bookshop, but you can also find Yoke, My Yoga of Self-Acceptance on Audible as an audiobook read by me. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. Well, uh, our website is gayishpodcast.com. We are at Gayish Podcast on most social media. Our hotline, you can send us text messages or leave us voicemails, is 5855-GAYISH. That's 585-542-9474. Standard rate supply. Our email is gayishpodcast at gmail.com. And our physical mailing address is post office box 19882, Seattle, Washington, 98109. Uh, quick programming note, and then we'll get to our gayish the straightest. Uh, the Patreon happy hour, is it too late for that? It's too late for that. This episode is coming out for Patreon members the day of our Patreon happy hour. So if you're hearing this on the Wednesday, the day it comes out, you haven't missed it yet. Um, Happy hour is at 7 p.m. Pacific on November 1st. Yep. Do it. Join us. Yeah. Uh, You ready to do our gays the straightest? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I'm happy to go first. Uh, the, the, The straightest thing about me this week was just the like, are we going to do it? Are we going to do it? Like, um, a game of chicken with all of my coworkers at a restaurant in Buenos Aires. Uh, we uh, we ate sheep testicles. Ooh, yeah. how they taste? Whoa. Fine, it was fine. It was like, <laughs> but it, not my favorite. Don't need to have that a lot. But but the wind up was way too much drama for like the basic like non event that it ended up being. But you could just you could see like there's this straight bro like. Are, are you going to put the ball in your mouth? Are you going to put the ball in your mouth? Like, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the, the gayest thing about me this week, I'm currently in Quito, Ecuador, and uh, I have never been this popular on Grinder before. Sweet Jesus. They're just <laughs> coming out of the woodwork. I Amazing. just, it's, it's like 20 different conversations just like immediately. Um, it's it's really it's really very affirming i feel validated thank you thank you ecuador <laughs> if yoga can't oh provide God. you the validation you need go to ecuador and <laughs> get on grinder apparently <laughs> amazing um oh my well my gayest is having a conversation with one of my new co-workers about the podcast and i have that moment where he's like oh what's it called and i have to be like gayish he's like oh i'll subscribe to it and i have to be like oh well there's lots of not safer <laughs> work you know that kind of discomfort of the conversation about the podcast with a coworker. <laughs> you're um, gonna hear about my butthole <laughs> so yeah you're, you're gonna hear some stuff if you actually listen to it 
Um, my straightest is going to a Halloween party and doing a very half-assed costume. Mike, you got me Louis Belcher ears, so I put mm-hmm. on ears, and that was the extent of my costume. Great. That is deeply straight to have like a half Halloween costume. That's super yep. real. Yeah. Yep. Phoning yep. it in. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Oh but Jessamyn, how about you? Oh my god. Okay, I feel pretty str- like okay. All of my stuff is about cars, so I'm just going to say that. I would say the gayest thing about me is that I drive a pickup truck, and it's just like peak dyke. And if I hang out with someone and they don't know, when they know that, I'm like, yeah, no, we're we're on the same page. I got you. But my other thing is that my straight thing is that I was in, I was at home in North Carolina this past week, and my car in North Carolina is a Saab sedan, and it's just like the most white man, straight white man car. That's the only person who drives that car, and I feel like very incognito when I'm in it. I'm just like, yeah, nobody knows. Like I'm just out here doing my thing. So like, it's all vehicular for some reason today. But yeah, great, gay straight. <laughs> Well, Jessica Stanley, you are an absolute fucking delight. Thank you for being on the show today. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. Y'all are a treat. Thank you for having me. Um, and thanks to thanks to all the yoga folks out there, even the yeah. ones that are white ladies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, just this is gonna be my last thought is that my business partner is white and she's a white woman, and I was like, you know, sometimes you just need a white woman. It's just, you know, if I need to get out of a parking ticket, who am I call? My white lady friend. That's what I need. So, yeah, that's what that is. So, yes, to the white yoga ladies. Yep. We're still friends. <laughs> Fans. Um, I also want to thank our super gap bridgers. Thank you to Kaylee Adams, Kid Oliver, Andrew Bugby, William Bryan, John Crowley, Stephen Porch, Yo Stolzel, Harry Shaw, Josh Copeland, Jonathan Montanez, Wadu, Forrest Nell, Patrick Martin, James Barrow, Steve Douglas, Explosive Lasagna, Michael Cumbington, Just Jamie, Kevin Henderson, Thomas B, Timothy Sora, Dusty Sands, A. Coleman, Chris Cagetorians, and Jerome York. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your money. That's it. <laughs> this has been Gayish from the Chris Cacciatore Studios. I'm Mike Johnson. I'm Kyle Getz. Until next week, be butch, be fabulous, be you. See you next See you week. Next week. Yeah, uh, we were just uh, we just had an episode on jeeps, and Kyle informed me that uh, that um, lesbians drive Ford F one fifties pretty totally. regularly. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> it blew is me a thing. away. Yep. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah, I almost. I'm, I'm gonna get like extremely dikey to even know about this or talk about this, but like I ended up not going with the Ford F one fifty because it can't tow as much as the Toyota Tundra, <laughs> which is what I went with. So it's like there's levels to the need for. <laughs> for a certain kind of vehicle but it just is really it's a beautiful calling card you know what i mean like when you run up on a date in the pickup truck it's just it's a vibe so yeah i need to know about the jeeps though so what is jeeps are gay Uh, jeep wranglers are on both lists both for lesbians and gay men yeah 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 it's I don't know. We don't know why they're gay, but they are apparently. I okay. So this is just maybe. I don't know if this is on or off topic, and it's fine. But I <laughs> hooked up with now an ex. At the time, she was. It doesn't matter. Whatever. We hooked up at my high school reunion. She drove a Jeep Wrangler, and we 
pulled my air mattress into the back of the Jeep Wrangler and like fucked in the back of the Jeep Wrangler. So yeah. I think I really I see that there's there's totally a line there. I see that. Or was it a Jeep Grand Cherokee? It doesn't matter. The point is it was a Jeep. I mean, yeah, the Wrangler, you, you have to put the, the seat forward to make enough space for that, I think. There was no. a seat forward, yeah. There was okay. a whole, it was a whole thing. <laughs> and also, like, we were staying in a, it was like a bunch of my friends from high school. Stay, it was, this is our, like, 10-year reunion. And, like, we're all staying in a house together. And so there's this moment where I, like, come into the house and everyone's playing scattergories in one room. And then I'm, like, dragging an air mattress outside. And they're just like, <laughs> okay, heard. So that's, that's the vibes. That's what we're doing here. So anyway <laughs> oh, i love it i yeah. love it 